Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Dynamic Dose Show. I'm your host, Allison Bai. Today we're going to be discussing a pretty heavy topic, and that is the topic of grief. Um, I've experienced, <clears throat> experienced a lot of personal issues with grief in my life because I've lost the majority of my family and uh, grief still affects me to this day and if you stick around to the end of the podcast I have a poem I wrote about my father's death Uh, I'll share at the end so I just kind of wanted to start off with kind of what grief is and I have two different sources that I'm going to read from and then I'm going to get into the grief handout. Um, So psychology today says that grief is the acute pain that accompanies loss because it is a reflection of what we love. It can feel all encompassing. Grief is not limited to the loss of people, but when it falls the loss of a loved one, it may be compounded by feelings of guilt and confusion especially if the relationship was a difficult one. And the other one I wanted to read to you comes from the Mayo Clinic. It says, grief is a str- it is a strong, I'm sorry, let's back up. <laughs> grief is a strong, sometimes overwhelming emotion for people, regardless of whether their sadness stems from the loss of a loved one or from a terminal diagnosis they or someone they love have received. They might find themselves feeling numb and removed from daily life, unable to carry on with regular duties while saddened by their sense of loss. Grief is the natural reaction to loss. Grief is both a universal and personal experience. Individual experiences of grief vary and are influenced by the nature of the loss. Some examples of loss include the death of a loved one, the ending of an important relationship, job loss, loss through theft, or the loss through loss of independence through disability. Experts advise advise those grieving to realize they can't control the process and to prepare for varying stages of grief. Understanding why they're suffering can help, as can talking to others and trying to resolve issues that cause significant emotional pain, such as feeling guilty for a loved one's death. Mourning can last for months or years. Generally, the pain pain is tempered as time passes, and as the bereaved adapts to, to life without a loved one, to the news of a terminal diagnosis, or to the realization that someone they, they love may die. If you're uncertain about whether your grieving process is normal, consult your healthcare professional. Outside help is sometimes beneficial to people trying to recover and adjust to to a death or a diagnosis of a terminal illness. Next, we're going to go over the grieving process, the, the stages of grief, and the tasks of mourning. Uh, these are all from therapistaid.com. And I just want to give you a little bit of information about the grieving process in general. It says grief is the natural emotional response resulting from a significant loss, especially the death of a loved one. Everyone deals with grief differently. 
people cry, laugh, busy themselves with work, throw up, or even feel numb. Some people recover quickly, while others take their time. Grief is a natural healing process, and there's no right way to do it. For some people, grief can become too painful. It can grow into something totally different, like depression or anxiety. Other, other times, grief might last far too long and take over a person's life for years on end. This is called complicated grief. Here's some grief facts. Quote-unquote normal grief varies greatly between cultures, people, and situations. Grief is a natural process and does not re always require treatment. About 10% of people develop complicated grief after a loss. Complicated grief can be treated with psychotherapy. And it gives three different types of grief. And uh, first I want to start with acute grief. Um, and that is immediately after a loss and for months afterwards. It's normal to have in intense and intense symptoms of shock, distress, sadness, poor appetite, sleep trouble, and poor concentration. These symptoms will slowly diminish with the passage of time. Then there's complicated grief. Sometimes the symptoms of acute grief never seem to go away. They can last for years. The loss of a loved one continues to feel unreal and unmanageable. You might constantly yearn for the deceased or experience guilt about the idea of quote-unquote moving on and accepting the loss. And then there's also integrated grief. After resolving the most intense symptoms of acute or complicated grief, you will enter the lifelong stage of integrated grief. At this point, you have come to accept the reality of the loss and you, re you have resumed daily life activities. This doesn't mean that you miss your loved one any less or that you don't feel pain at their memory. You have just learned how to cope. Acute grief may show itself again, especially around holidays, anniversaries, and other reminders. Many of you are familiar with the stages of grief and know that uh, healing is not linear that you can go back and forth between the stages of grief, not always in order, but oftentimes out of order. And you might come back to the same thing multiple times, but that's all normal and it's okay. Um, but the Kubler-Ross model of grief, aka the five stages of grief, describes the five primary responses to loss. These stages are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Someone who is grieving may go through these stages in any order, like I said, and they may return to previous stages, like I said. The first one is denial. Uh, the sentence used for an example is, this can't be happening. Individuals may refuse to accept the fact that the loss has occurred. They may minimize or outright deny the situation. It is suggested that loved ones and professionals be forward and honest about losses to not prolong the denial stage. Anger. Why is this happening to me? 
when an individual realizes that a loss has occurred, they may become angry at themselves or others. They may argue that the situation is unfair and try to place blame. Bargaining. I will do anything to change this. In bargaining, the individual may try to change or delay their loss. For example, they may try to convince a partner to return after a breakup or search for unlikely cures in the case of a terminal illness. Depression. What's the point of going on after this loss? At this stage of depression, the individual <clears throat> individual has come to recognize that a loss has occurred or will occur. The individual may, may isolate themselves and spend time crying and grieving. Depression is a precursor to acceptance because the individual has come to recognize their loss. And finally, acceptance. It's going to be okay. Finally, the individual will come to accept their loss. They understand the situation logically and they have come to terms emotionally with the situation, as hard as that is. Now we're left with the task of mourning. After a death, survivors are left to face the pain of grief and a new world without their loved one. Mourning is a process of adapting to loss through the completion of four tasks. Keep in mind that, <clears throat> that adapting doesn't mean forgetting. It means finding a a way to cherish the memories of a loved one while continuing to move forward in life. It just means adjusting to a world without the deceased while holding a place for them in your heart. Task number one is to accept the reality of the loss. After a death <clears throat> or loss, it's common that the reality of the situation is minimized or denied. To complete this task, the reality of the loss must be fully accepted both intellectually and emotionally. Task number two is to process the pain of grief. This one's really hard. Grief involves painful emotions such as sadness, anger, and guilt. It can be tempting to avoid these feelings, burying them rather than facing them. However, working through grief means confronting, naming, and making sense of these emotions. <clears throat> Task number three is to adjust to a world without the deceased. The death of a loved one will usually bring out a number of life changes. These can range from minor changes in daily routines to the adoption of an entirely new worldview. The third task is about navigating these changes and adjusting to the world without the loved one. And there are three kinds of adjustments that we can look at. The first is internal adjustments, and those are changes to one's identity. Survivors may have to answer the question, who am I now? They may also experience changes to self-esteem. Then there are external adjustments, which include taking on new roles and developing new skills. Survivors may take on the tasks that were handled by their loved one, such as cooking 
or childcare. Then there's spiritual adjustments, which are changes to beliefs, values, and assumptions about the world. For example, a belief that, quote-unquote, the world is fair might change after a loss. The survivor may choose to reaffirm, modify, or replace their previous worldview. Task number four is to find a way to remember the deceased while moving forward in life. Moving on does not mean forgetting. It means finding a place for the deceased one's thoughts, a place that is important but still leaves room, leaves room for others. Completing this task means finding a healthy balance between cher- cherishing, cherishing <laughs> their memory and moving forward in life. All right, so now we've, we've talked about what grief is. We've talked about the grieving process, the five stages of grief, and tasks of mourning. And <clears throat> now I want to share some facts about grief that you may not know or you may need reassurance in knowing. And these were really helpful for me personally to read. So... Like everything else that I do, I want to share this information with you, share my research with you, so that you or your loved ones or your friends or whoever you share this with, if you share it with anybody, or if it's just for yourself, I just want to help you understand and heal. Because I know a bunch of you out there don't have access to mental health care. Or can't afford mental health care. Or whatever the case may be. And it's just. I, it's just my goal. To help those individuals. And. Uh, take them on this journey with me. So. I'm going to get into the grief facts. And then we're going to wrap up. With my poem. About my fa- my father's death. So here's some. Here's some facts. stick around grief hurts but it can be helpful the process of grieving often involves sadness anger loneliness and other painful emotions however grieving can help you come to terms with loss and move forward in life while still cherishing memories of your loved one everyone grieves differently that's very important although others may have opinions about how you, how to grieve correctly, your grief is still yours and yours alone. Some people need to express their grief while others prefer to process in silence. Some feel anger while others feel sadness, numbness, or relief. Everyone has different reactions to loss and the different needs during the grieving process. <clears throat> the circumstances of a loss have a major impact on grief. Deaths that are unexpected, traumatic, or stigmatized, like suicide, can complicate the grieving process. Personal factors, such as history of mental illness or a strained relationship with the deceased, can also contribute to difficulties. This one is really important also. Grief does not have a set time frame. Grief can last for weeks, months, or years. 
It may come and go around holidays, anniversaries, and major life events, or it might always be in the background. However, grief does tend to lessen in intensity over time. Grief may contribute to other problems. Grief increases the risk of developing other health problems, mental illness, and relationship difficulties. This is especially true if the death, if the death was traumatic, if you feel guilt about the death, or if the grief is prolonged. And hear this, my friends. It is okay to seek help. Support from family and friends can prevent grief from growing out of control. Although grief will improve over time for most, this isn't always the case. When grief is especially debilitating or long-lasting, support groups, therapy, and other resources like this podcast may be beneficial. Not everyone experiences significant distress. About one in three people respond to loss with resilience or relief. Feeling this way does not mean that you don't care or that you love the person any less, nor does it mean that your grief is unfinished or that you have a problem. Moving on does not mean forgetting. You can continue to live your life, have new experiences, and form new relationships while continuing to love the person you lost. The goal of grieving is not to forget, but rather to figure out how you would like to remember them while moving forward. Okay, so right now I'm going to share a personal story um, dealing with grief and loss. Um, dealing with the loss of my dad. I was a senior in high school and I was 17 when he died. Um, And here's a very short version of what happened. I was getting ready for school and I heard a loud thud downstairs in our townhouse. So I went downstairs to see what it was because I had never heard a sound like that before and I wasn't sure what had happened. And I saw my dad laying down on the floor by the kitchen table. And I I asked him what happened and he said he just fell but that he couldn't get up. And I remember being irritated with him because he was going to make me late for school. That's where uh, the guilt comes in for me. I tried to make him something to eat and get him something to drink, thinking his blood sugar might be low. Um, I'm pretty sure he was an undiagnosed diabetic. Um... He ate a little bit, drank a little bit. He still remained on the floor. So I called his mother, my grandma. And they talked on the phone for a minute. And she told me to call 911. I also called his best friend at the time. And 
She also told me to call 911. So finally, after delaying this call to 911 because I was scared, I called it. I called 911. And they asked if he was having chest pains, and he said he wasn't. But I felt his forehead, and he was cold and sweaty. So I would say clammy, kind of. The paramedics got there. The first thing they did was uh, get on to us about not having our uh, the number on our house easy to see. So I was kind of put off by that. They came in and they took his blood pressure and I believe it was it was high and they said they would take him in as a precaution. He managed to get himself onto the gurney by himself off of the floor. Then they wheeled him into the ambulance. I I followed them. I asked if I could ride with them, but they said they don't allow that anymore. So, I watched them drive away. Not that long later, my uh, grandma, which was his mother, and my aunt, his sister, came to pick me up and uh, take me to the hospital. And I, I brought his wallet with his ID. Um, and it turned out they did have his name wrong because I guess he wasn't able to talk properly so it was good that I brought his ID anyway I'm getting distracted um we started walking uh to the room where he was in the ER and right before we got to the room there was a a, a light that started going off and an alarm and it was a code blue and now being in the medical field, I know what that means. And uh, they immediately started pushing us away, pushing us away. You can't go in there. You can't go in there. So they push us into the family waiting room. And I do not know how long, how much time went by before a nurse came to the family room and pulled my aunt out to into the hallway and for a second there I knew what had happened and my aunt came in and confirmed my fear that my dad had passed away of a heart attack she told me I wasn't I didn't I couldn't cry in front of my grandma for her own medical safety. And I do have some anger about that. Also. So I went into the bathroom and I wailed. I wailed and I wailed. Some people came up to the hospital including my sister and my mother. I hugged my sister so tight. I told her it was going to be okay. That we were going to be okay. I'm getting teary-eyed just talking about this with you guys.
So, yeah. He passed away February, February 18th, 2008. And I... I would say I have accepted his death. But the grieving... There's always moments where the grief swells up and it may overcome me a little bit, but then it comes back down and it's manageable again. And I just want to say that to encourage all of you who have lost someone, um, that the feeling you're experiencing is normal and it's not going to last forever. I loved my dad with all my heart. And I miss him so much. But now, however many years later, it's been math is hard. Um, <laughs> I can think about the good times that we had together rather than just fo focusing on the world without him. He missed my graduation from high school. He missed my graduation from the local community college. He, he missed me getting my bachelor's degree and walking across that stage. He missed my wedding and walking me down the aisle. So I miss him still. I will always miss him. But the important thing is I'm able to express my emotions as I need to with a friend or a mental health professional and I can accept that he's gone and know that better days are coming. On that note, I'm going to take a drink. On that note, I'm going to read you the poem that I wrote about that day. <clears throat> it, I titled it, The Day You Left. My rapid breathing makes my heart beat fast. I choke back the tears. Too much time has passed. You fell to the floor while gripping your chest, unaware of the sudden cardiac arrest. The paramedics arrived, slow as can be, shocked at the rate of your rising heartbeat. Your skin was cold and your color was gone. I knew deep down that you didn't have long. Onto the gurney and out of the door. The last time I spoke to you was on the floor. I ran outside and tears filled my eyes. This was the last chance to tell you goodbye. I couldn't reach you. One minute too late. They were all ready and you couldn't wait. The engine rumbled and they sped away. I'll never forget what happened that day. You left me that February morning. I wish I would have got a little warning. 
Home was the last place I saw you alive. That day is forever burned in my mind. That's the end. <laughs> I want to thank all of you for listening and coming on this journey with me. And I hope you stick around because I think we're going to make a pretty great team and a pretty great group of people supporting each other. And I, I just hope you get something good out of this podcast. And I hope you guys have a really good week. It was nice talking to you. And I will check in with you guys and post another episode next Monday. Until then, much love. Stay safe. See you then.